This podcast is brought to you by Overtake Motorsport. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of WTHK. This is a podcast brought to you by Overtake Motorsports. My name is Pedro Dorantes. I am freezing to death. And I'm joined once again by Alex Hunt. How are you doing, Alex? I'm not too bad, Pedro. I'm hearing it's more like a tundra out there in Mexico rather than the uh, Caribbean-esque paradise it normally is. It's absolutely insane. We are never a paradise. Is it? It, it could be either really fucking like dry and hot <laughs> or really dry and fucking cold. The go. other half of the Hunt brothers, Chris, how you doing? Good evening. I must admit, I do appreciate Alex was like, I hear it's a tundra out there. <laughs> Back to your <laughs> video. He's absolutely right. It sounds like a joke. And as you can see, I am not laughing about it because I have to endure it. So I should also point out for all our should point out to anyone living it. <laughs> yeah, point out to all the listeners that uh, me and Chris are currently wearing t-shirts. Pedro is wearing a massive coat. Yes, which is freaking me out. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going. I'm getting almost like Back to the Future vibes with Pedro and Marty McFly at the moment. There is, is a similarity right? with the uh, the body <laughs> warmer there. Great Scott! Yeah, I might need I a mean, bit more hair to be getting away with that. <laughs> Let this grow out a bit. Are heating systems that good in the UK? Yes. So you can afford that theory. <laughs> We've, we've got to go back, Marty. It's fucking cold. <laughs> <laughs> we've got to go back six months to the summer. <laughs> it's what Max Verstappen wasn't champion. <laughs> Tell you oh it hasn't happened. It's fine. It's something about Marco Masi, Scott. We've got to go back. <laughs> <laughs> That's heavy, man. Ah, <sighs> oh, shit, man. That's heavy. <laughs> <laughs> How, where the hell do we go from here? <laughs> That's the thing. I we think we should start talking started. about DeLorean. <laughs> oh, DeLorean making their epic return and still being faster than the 2022 Haas. <laughs> <laughs> Although, to be fair, I, I wouldn't be surprised surprised if the flames are coming more from the house than the DeLorean. Yeah. <laughs> that would be to be expected. Yeah. <laughs> now, I mean, I do say, I'm really disappointed I won't have. It's, it's In general or specifically? Both, actually. <laughs> <laughs> they said they said they were going to reveal their car, right? Yeah. And all I saw which at first I thought it was a car because I, I woke up like at 4 a.m. and I thought that was a car that was practically asleep still. And then you saw it a couple hours uh, later. It's not a fucking car. It's just a mock-up of the 2022 car with their livery on. Well, they, they, they made a few subtle changes to make it look like a different car, but it's not. And also the fact this this is something I kind of dislike, which is becoming a trend, where they do the, the CG reveal. Where it's not the actual car, because it's always, it's always like asterisk, there may be subject to change, which means anything can bloody change by the time we finally see it. I'm not going to say in Bahrain or Barcelona, because let's face it, we'll be lucky if we see it rolling out in, um, in the first race. Um, but like, it's again, I don't like the idea of the precedent being, hey, 
it's our car reveal. Anything can change, by the way. Like, I like the idea of actually you see the car, that's what it's going to be. And if it means we wait until the actual test sessions, that's better than all this kind of uh, social media bullshit they're doing just to get more people. The only reason they, the only reason they did it today is because they'd be the first. That is the only reason, because that's the only positive news they're going to get all bloody year. Possibly. Ooh. That, that's, that's a harsh, harsh way of looking at that. Are they going to be that crap this year? Why? Like, I, I know, obviously, social media attention is the big thing. But doesn't it look like a bit of a weird stance already? For me, personally, I, the cynic in me can't help but feel this is a little bit like, uh, just put a CG version out, just make, make the people see it. Um, if it was something big and grand and grandiose, surely they'd wait. Surely we'd see something a little bit later. Surely it wouldn't be so clickbait heavy. I, I don't know. It seems a little bit peculiar to me. Well, the thing is, the, the livery, which is essentially what they did it for, it was a livery reveal more than a car reveal, really. It's the same livery as last year, so there's nothing special. Mm-hmm. So it, I mean, it's it, not it, like you've got a sudden yellow car appearing out of nowhere. It's yeah. it's the same as it was last year. And whilst we want more, more um, well, to confirm what's actually on the car and what the car's going to properly look like in real life, it's a little bit of bit of a way of getting everyone into the season. So I'm, I'm yeah. all right with it. But yeah, I see your point, but I, I don't mind yeah, seeing the odd livery reveal. The thing is that Haas aren't doing this to get the people into the season. They're doing this, but I feel like it's from a completely personal standpoint they're doing. And also like uh, to say that there's the complete same livery, I'm just going to say this, Alex. It's not exactly the same, but it is ridiculously damn close. It, as you say, it's not like, and this year, we're as you say, we're going yellow. We're going papaya orange. I'm like, Whoa, I agree what you mean, but it, it, there are some slight differences at least. At least, I mean, again, this it, it's like also arguing the differences between the Red Bull cars each year. You are a pedant. <laughs> How <laughs> <laughs> the numbers are smaller, Alex, they're harder to see. <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, what you said about, about has I gotta think that's. Slightly harsh. I mean, based on the fact that Mick Schumacher surely has to improve, surely improved in something. I, I'm gonna get Massapin out of the way. It's too soon to start throwing shit at Massapin. Um, but I, I mean, I could see him finishing. I don't know, eleventh or even tenth at Monaco. The the issue is is, is again, it's it's not down to the drivers to improve at this point. It's down to the machinery. I mean, they. I mean, both. I'm going to be completely honest here. Uh, Schumacher, Schumacher has done well in the previous season. He has made rookie mistakes as most people would, as with Mazepin, who made considerably more. Mazepin did Mazepin. Leave it at that. Mazepin did Mazepin. Mazepin did his own Mazepin-style season. But the it's now, there's got to be, even if they even if they outperform that car to the absolute limits, if it's anywhere near last year's cars, they have no chance of going near points. Um, as much as we say, obviously, the drivers need to improve, and they do on a year-by-year basis, as the sort of sport Formula 1 is, Hamilton couldn't get anything in that Haas car. I, Jim Clark probably could scrape a point. It's, we can't put the entire ownership just down on the drivers themselves. The team need to improve as a whole as well. And I'm still surprised it's a Haas car. I thought by now Gene would have fled, to be completely honest. I agree. Russian money. <laughs> well, I'm surprised that Russian money is not taking over completely, and it's uh, yeah. uh, 
Mazepin Racing Team, sponsored by Mazepin, with a uh, forward by, Moz- by Mazepin and Raid Shadow Legends, or something like that. I don't know. It's, it's I, I'm not sure why it's not been completely taken out. I'm not sure what Gene is still hoping for. Because we, we thought, I, I, I'm sure there was word years ago that he was going to pull out unless significant results happened by like 2020 or even 2021. Going into 2022, unless they're expecting this to be some brawn style car, why is Gene still slapping his name on this? Especially Gene, the American. Yes, I know it's got the American colours on it, but it's a Russian flag on that car. Uh. Yeah. There's nothing American in that car anymore. It's, a, it's either Italian or Russian at this point. Yeah. On the basis, it's made by Italians, designed by Italians, and Italian yeah, coloured in Russian. Yeah. So, so why why is Gene sticking on? Why is he still bothering? I mean, he, he could sell that team very easily to um, Daddy Mazepin. My only explanation, or the only reason I can I, I can put into it, is the fact that his brand. And I don't mean the, the racing brand. I mean has you know the 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 uh, the heavy machinery brand of it is in the car, and as a brand, it's still a name that it's trying to make a name for for itself in Europe. It's, it's not really that big. Is is this the way to do it though? To be the laughing stock of F one for so many years, like is is. I, I say that the, the laughing stock is a very mean way of doing it. Haas is a team that has incredible prestige in the Americas. Is that like they started well in 2016? I mean, with Grosjean and Gutierrez, the results they pulled off with Magnussen, they were doing quite well. Now, where it comes to the stage where the American team is flying the Russian flag, is that even if it's trying to break into the European market, is this the way to do it? Because it seems very peculiar. Like I don't know if it's just if it's just me feeling this way. Of all the ways this could happen, this seems like the worst. I, I, apart, apart from bringing Luca Badoa back for his amazing comeback tour, I'm not sure there's any other ways they could get this worse. Still better than Mazepin. You're absolutely right. But... <laughs> <laughs> you got that one right there. I'd have Badoa in my car over Mazepin right now. <laughs> good testing. You get good testing mileage out of him. Like the issues is you say that I don't think your car's an F1 car. I think of your car's one parked in your drive. Like you look at like go, uh, Nikita, don't know, don't open the door, Nikita, Luca, in you come, get him, get him. <laughs> it, it, <it's>, uh, yeah, <laughs> don't, don't, t- no, don't turn that on there, that ignition. Don't you dare. Is that don't the new sitcom? New sitcom, Luca and Nikita. Luca and Nikita, oh. both undervalued. Luca. And- <laughs> oh no! Oh dear! It's the off season, guys, and it shows. I'm going to say, are we not jumping the gun here and being a bit harsh on Hass as a whole? We're assuming that 2022 is going to be bad as 2021. Oh, no, and if we get into Bahrain and Mick Schumacher is suddenly on the podium, are we not going to look on this conversation and go, "Okay, maybe we're a little bit harsh." That's the thing, Alex. If it goes well, we'll go back, edit the title, and put hashtag satire. <laughs> I like it thinking. Absolved of all crimes. I, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to save myself. And if it happens, it will happen. He could finish 10th or even 11th at Monaco. Especially if the cars are as equal as Liberty Media has made, you know, has made them as equal as they think they are. I, I think Schumacher gets points this year and it won't, I think he might do it legitimately as well. Mm-hmm. Given I, d- I expect the gap between 
the front and the back to be maybe a second, second and a half over a lap. Oh no! And no, that no. Put, and that puts you in the range of um, yeah, getting points on on a good day. Yeah. Um, don't don't get me wrong. I want that to be the case. Absolutely, I'd love for that to be the case. It's just that the hallmarks we're seeing at the moment, from what I've seen from previous teams, the the urge to jump the gun. Yes, obviously you get the first social media barrows, that sort of thing. But there's just a few worrying signs so far. Not Carlos. Um, so I don't know. For me, I don't. For me personally, this is kind of the hallmark of what we could expect. And I'm not going to say Haas have always been crap. I mean, until probably in uh, 2019, they were still very decent at that point. They have been a good uh, team. In that 2019 was decent. They were okay. They had a habit of qualifying fifth and then having no points at the end of a race. Yeah. I mean, I, that's still a better impact than qualifying last and finishing 16th. That's true. Mm, true. Yeah, you're yeah. being very kind to Mazepin there, finishing 16th. He Maybe hungry. <laughs> Maybe uh, hungry. It's the sort of thing I'm. I'm taking the very pedantical, uh, clickbaity route because, obviously, it's it's the low hanging fruit at the moment. I just, with the way with the things it's looking so far, it's seeming like, Christ, we need some positive attention because there might not be any during the year. That's how it's coming across to me, personally. What if, what if the car, is not ready, and what if they're actually running way, way, way far behind? Like Williams did a couple of years ago. Then they will they, be mocked mercilessly by Chris. Oh, absolutely. I mean, to be fair, any car running that far behind will be mocked mercilessly by me because I have such a heritage and prestige as a Formula One driver myself. Did, um, did I think Williams, will that happen? <laughs> Williams had the benefit of having the heritage, the name and the legacy behind them. And nobody was happy to see them at the back. I don't think anybody would be legitimately happy to see Haas at the back. It's just it wouldn't be a change in form. I think if that happens, again, I, I'm not, well, not sure why it's not happened already. Gene is going to set sail, clearly, because he can't have that. And it could just be the next back market team. Again, I don't want that to be the case. But you're right, if that does happen, where the hell do you go from there? Because teams have been preparing for this change for years. This is something you can't fix in a year. And it's something that's going to take a lot longer than that to fix if it is that bad. Mm -hmm. It's it's something that's going to turn into a black hole of money if it is that And in fairness, given what we've seen of the cars today, it's very basic. Yes. It's very, yeah. very basic. It is basically what the rules are. It's what happened to Ferrari in 2014 when they um, made the Hoover. They followed the law. They followed the rules to the exact letter, and you ended up with a freaking Hoover on the front of your car, and it was crap. So unless they've actually done something different, then yeah, it, it could be a bad year. But I, I think again, there's more to come. Again, again, also to give them the benefit, this is a CGI livery reveal. They might have done that deliberately because, of course, they're not going to want to give away yeah, any protection that they have. That's true. There is a question mark over the uh, suspension at the front because it looks like Ferrari main team are going for pull rod suspension but i think this the the has has push rod suspension potentially so it's it may be that knowing that ferrari and has are so interlinked in the chassis side that they're hiding something in the knowledge they're going to do something a bit more radical at the test in that case if that's not allowed or if there's any bit of it that's not allowed i mean the only one that's going to lose is Ferrari, what's has 
got to lose. You're already at the bottom of the table. That's yeah, it has, has, has to do. Has, they do have a, essentially a free, free hit this year. Yeah, that's a good way of thinking about it. They've got nothing to lose. Ferrari, who lost a lot in 2020 and started to rebuild it. Yeah, I, I saw I saw a thing recently. I think, it's, I think F1 posted it. Um, it was Charles Leclerc's points tally over the last four years. There's something like 60-something, I think, with Sauber, up to like 200 and high 200s, back down to under 100 and back up to 150-something this year. Yeah, they need that to be another increase. Otherwise, yeah. yeah. Seeing as Ferrari have done... They've done well in the 2010s, I would say. They've had a decent amount of wins. Possibly should have had a constructors. Possibly should have had a drivers' championship. Maybe more the drivers than the constructors. But they need something now. We get bizarrely, we're getting close to the pre Schumacher era uh, with the 90s and 80s. Not necessarily as bad or as torrid, but that long without championship success. It's the second longest in the history of Formula One for Ferrari. Because you had you had seventy nine to two thousand, so twenty one years there, and we're on fourteen now. Oh bloody hell, Jesus! Fifteen at the end of this year. Yeah. See, if I ever translate this to my grandfather in Spanish, he's gonna cry. <laughs> don't do it. Just don't do it. I, 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 I think that lot that um, stretch will be broken this year. Possibly oh yeah, we're pulling for the red cars. Yeah, I, I'm thinking a constructors championship might be on their way. I mean, it with all the things they've got to deliver, with all the things they've got looking for them, especially with that driver lineup, I would hope some significant steps are made. I mean, did any of us expect Carlos Sainz to be quite that good? I mean, maybe yes, with the results against Toro Rosso with um, Verstappen, but I wasn't expecting him to be quite so strong this quickly in Ferrari. You're gonna have to hope that translates into a little bit more success this year. He's been consistent near the front. I don't know if he's necessarily been strong, strong, but he's been consistent and taken the points finishes when they've become available. A bit Fernando Alonso-y. He may not have yeah. the overall pace. And uh, well, if you put Sainz having a perfect day and Leclerc having a perfect day, I'd put Leclerc getting pole and winning a race over Sainz. Oh, absolutely. But it's the consistency at that high level getting four podiums is was the unexpected bit. Yeah. So it's, I don't, it's interesting to see how he'll convert that into wins should he be able to. I think you hit, you hit a good point. Leclerc, on his day, which to be fair, he does have quite frequently, is bloody strong. He is, I would put him top five of the current grid. Yeah. Got to, remember, at least, uh, got to remember that two of the positions are taken by Hamilton Verstappen, so it limits how many people can get into that top five. Indeed. So I'm the only one that, that actually thinks Sainz is a better driver than Leclerc? He's a better driver when he's looking at the whole picture. I would argue that Leclerc is a faster and more competitive driver as as each race goes. As, as an individual race, I'd put money on Leclerc over a season. I would probably put them as a draw at this That's point. That's the thing. I watched Rush recently and they say like, Nine out of ten times, he's going to pull your hair out. But on that, that one out of ten times, you'll wish you had him in your team. Leclerc, I feel like that's, that's, that's it's not quite that. It's a bit more grand. Because Leclerc, when he's got a decent car, can be quite consistent. Over the course of the season, I think it could be very bloody close. Because Sainz has just seemed to have developed such a mature head on his shoulders. 
And I don't know if it's how he's being raised, how he's being taught, uh, taught with his um, dad, obviously, being majorly successful. But, like, when you see stuff like Drive to Survive, he's an incredibly disciplined individual. And you've got to imagine that factors in some way. Uh, Leclerc, we know, has a bit of the monogasque, you know, kind of like high life lifestyle, that sort of thing. We'll often go big or go home on a few occasions. Again, we've not had much concrete evidence of this. I just think something I love, the idea of Leclerc and Science coming down to the last race of the season after big highs from Leclerc, but consistency from Signs, that could be a wonderful mix. I've had this before. They had it with Schechter and Vilner. And at this point, it would be fair to put Sainz as Schechter and Leclerc as Villeneuve. Mm. But the difference is Leclerc is possibly a bit more mature. And give him a couple of years where he's not making the silly mistakes. His decision-making is questionable. Mm. But once he does get to being over... What's he, what's he now? 24? 25 area? God, he's over the hill. I was going to say, when he starts hitting his late 20s, when he starts properly working out what to do because you've got to remember science is 27 I think isn't he so he's he's got a couple of years on Leclerc so he's already that bit more mature so when Leclerc gets to science age as he is now that's that's a driver there that could be dominating something that could be a factor though we had Leclerc burst onto the scene with Salva and then into Ferrari in the second season basically Leclerc did any F1 career mode and got the high flight deal <laughs> in the second um the issue is having all of that success, all of that prestige, winning at Monza, that scene, and then having none of it basically for the last two years. That's not the usual sort of like climb we see from drivers of this caliber. And I wonder if that will somehow affect it. <clears throat> of course, this is all speculation. And of course, he will have matured as a driver and probably as an individual over those two years. But I wonder if when the opportunity arises because of the two years we've had previously, that might lead to something of an unexpected scenario. It could motivate him to the to the point where he just goes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to focus so hard and I'm going to get this done. Or as I think you're alluding to, you're alluding to it, is that he may overdrive the car and yeah. do what he did at Monaco last year and dump yeah, it exactly. in a wall where it's any time. Exactly, which, is, which to be fair at the time was an unexpected scenario which he desperately wanted to get and that was the outcome. I mean, that's, that's yeah. all I'm basing that on. And again, as I say, as a person living in Chertsey, who has never set foot near a Formula One car apart from watching it drive past him, I really don't have much to say about it. So please take all of my words with not a pinch of salt, but a fucking shovel. <laughs> what, like the shovels that are going around um, Pedro's roads at the moment so he can walk to the shops tomorrow? <laughs> you think you use shovels? We're very primitive. No, 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 no. <laughs> we use trebuchets. We used to use shovels. Remember, we had a, we used to have a grit box down the bo- near the bottom of one of our roads we used to live near, and you would get the salt out of that and spread it over the road. Oh, we did. I put, I put many empty cider cans in those. <laughs> <laughs> Superb bins. Yeah. Now, guys, uh, we have to move on into another competition in which there were Ferrari cars involved. The 24 Hours of Daytona. I wonder how many hours you watched out of it. I had it on the background for quite a lot. Yeah. I was basically flicking in between and I had basically like an alert system on my phone from Twitter where something, if they people started tweeting a lot, I would get notified. So I could be like, aha, and, you know, <laughs> clock on. Yeah, I watched the start. I watched quite a lot of the, the end of the night stuff. So like 3 a.m. to like 
7 a.m. Because that's just watch, how it worked when I got up. You got to watch Jimmy Johnson spin? I didn't. I think I may have. Did I watch that bit? I may have missed that bit. I can't remember, to be honest. I watched quite a lot of it. But I was, I and I watched the last lap where you saw Porsches decided they're going to go, you know what? I don't fancy finishing. Let's see what we can do to make it not happen. Make sure we don't get a one-two here. I think this is the race where we can both occupy the same part of the track at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> it's been 24 hours. So I think just for one lap, we can we can go into the corner side by side, see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was hectic, that one. Who, uh, who, uh, who broadcasted the race over there? No one. Um, I had it on it. Um, Imps.com. I watched it. And, I found, it. and I found it for an entirely respectful website, which you can find at redacted.com. <laughs> <laughs> the org. Is it, is it the same website <laughs> you get your NASCAR races from? Uh, oh, no. That's from a completely different redacted website. Equally trusted, <laughs> I, I assume. Oh, the, honestly, the viruses speak for themselves. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but yes, I thought it was quite good. I don't know how you can... It, it's hard to judge how good an endurance race is because it's not like an F1 race where you go, oh, there's stuff always happening. In an endurance race, there's always stuff happening because there's 50, 60 cars on the grid. So I don't know how to rank this one. It was enjoyable. I'm glad I watched it, but I wouldn't know if it was a top quality one or not. I mean, you got to go like category by category, I assume. I think GTD was pretty good. I think that's fine. LMP2 stuff happened, I seem to remember, didn't it? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The DPIs did a lot. There was a lot of passing in that, actually, wasn't there? There was a lot of battles there. My countryman got another watch. Second, I may add. Pato! Yes. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Pat, was, it Pat, never... was it Hello as well was in that team, was it? No, it it's was Herta. Uh, Herta. Colton Herta. Herta, that was it. Yeah. 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 That's oh, like, no. I've, I've never seen anyone happier to receive a watch for winning a race than Pato Award. My God, that guy was fucking over the moon. Yeah, he went nuts. I, I, I'm so happy for him. <laughs> there's, there's a picture like of him, like of all the people celebrating in the background. He's got the champagne, which is still fizzing, and he's got this really sort of endearing look at the watch, like, oh, mine now. Is <laughs> I get to wear you? <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, for the season he's had uh, last year, he deserves something like this. I obviously he received quite a bit of success last year, and we can't take that away whatsoever. But to have this. On a different level, like obviously we know uh, motor races going in different categories is quite an interesting thing to find success in it. Like when we saw Nico Hulkenberg win the Le Mans 24 Hours, you just you just appreciate it, you just like it, you're just, you're just happy to see it. Yes, absolutely. Now, and it's it's one thing off. that no, no, go ahead. I was going to say it's one thing that's starting to separate IndyCar drivers and F1 drivers is that F1 drivers don't do other categories. Uh, on a consistent basis or on a competitive basis. You, they, I know a few of them are doing um, race champions, but that's, yeah, yeah, that's just a bit of fun. IndyCar drivers were doing stuff like this, Daytona 24 and other endurance races. They are putting them, they're, they're giving themselves more experience. And I would have thought 
would put them in a better stead when going into F1 should anyone ever do it, like Pato, given Zach Brown basically said, all right, win the IndyCar title, we'll talk about you getting a McLaren F1 car. Mm-hmm. And having all this different experience is only going to help because it helped yeah. Norris because he did the Terry 24 hours with Fernando Alonso, didn't he? Uh, yeah. 2018, 2019. Uh, don't think he won, but it was it's one of those ones. It's just a bit of experience that you wouldn't get in F1 or anywhere near it. I'm going to point that thing. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if it makes you a better driver because, you know, as, as, um, as Chris said, I've never been near an F1 car other than watching them go by me. Um, but it sure gives you experience that all the other drivers don't have. And it doesn't, it doesn't, um, it's not exclusive to IndyCar. I mean, th- there was quite a bunch of NASCAR guys also in the race and none of the F1 drivers get that shot. I, I don't think they even look for it. And um, the problem with, uh, with the guys, you know, the, the IndyCar guys, the, the race other series, uh, I guess it's the same problem for early guys in Europe too. It's not you as the driver that's the problem. It's the fact that you only have 20 seats available. Mm. And there's something as well about European formula where it's very closed-minded. It's, it's essentially F1 or bust. I mean, there's been, <clears throat> there's been numerous racers who haven't made the big time and have stopped. I mean, we've seen quite a few people like Grosjean, uh, Ericsson, uh, all those guys, and uh, younger guys as well, um, Eilot, uh, giving IndyCar a shot, which is a great thing to see. But the thing in Europe, in Europe, European formula is because F1 is such a big deal, if you don't make that, many people just decide not to do it. And which is kind of a shame because I feel like there's a lot of talent that's probably gone out missing. And I know I'm going to sound ridiculously weird here. Jolie and Palmer being the prime example that comes to mind. who were very good in Formula 2 eventually. Didn't work out well in Formula 1. Why on earth is he now a sports correspondent? Why do you not try and seek some other drive in? Yes, of course, moving to a different country and doing a different style of racing could be daunting, could be absolutely terrifying. But why not give it a shot? It's such a bizarre thing to see. Especially when you see people like you know, Juan Pablo Montoya still signing up for the Indy 500. We see people doing all sorts of different things. Jimmy Johnson going over to IndyCar after being a seven times NASCAR Cup champion. We don't see that sort of fluidity, which is why it's so, it's still a bit of a novelty to see a Formula One driver in something else. And I feel like obviously it works for American TV audiences because lots of people watch IndyCar this year because of Grosjean and because they heard Marcus Ericsson when they were like, oh, I want to give that a shot now. But the, the, the narrow-mindedness of European racing is something that's still massively there, I feel. It's kind of eking out possibly to Formula E as the next feeder series. But even so, that's still, I would say, arguably a massively European series, even though there are quite a few races in, obviously, many different continents. It's interesting. And the fluidity of American drivers is now, I feel, starting to seep over. But none of them are coming to Formula 1. It's a really interesting thing to see. I think the problem is, is in sports car racing, in IMSA and in IndyCar, they're getting paid. You don't necessarily get paid having to be a Formula 1 driver. Mm-hmm. Mm. Unless you're super good. And that's a rarity, given, I'd assume, on the current grid. How many do we think get paid on the F1 grid? Alonso, Hamilton, Vettel, Verstappen. Probably a Clarence Sainz, possibly Russell. It's not many. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Probably get some cash now. Not sure, not sure about Norris. 
Schumacher and Mazepin nope. won't be getting paid for it, not in the traditional sense. Nope. Kimmy might be fans. Possibly. Bottas might get a bit of cash. The Williams drivers won't. So, yeah, it's, yeah. it's if you've got a guaranteed source of income in America, whether it's IMSA, IndyCar, or what other, any other category that exists, you're going to go for that because it pays the bills. Yeah. Indeed. And um, I don't know if Formula E is that good at that sort of thing yet. That's the thing. I don't think I'm even interested in it enough to kind of want to find out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Honestly, this 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 weekend of Formula E just cemented everything people hate about Formula E. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it didn't help. Did it? Guys, we have two <laughs> minutes left. Oh, I think we left it. <laughs> Except for the fact that you're dying, Alex. Alex, for the love of God, can you die quietly? <laughs> Chris, you were gonna say about. Formula E, you were quite motherfucking Formula E, boys. Let's go. Let's restart that recording. Let's restart that, shall we? Oh my god. <laughs> the E would... stands for epic. <laughs> e stands for E electric. <laughs> so, uh, so, sorry, Pedro, if you want to do that again, I'll do a sensible uh, introduction. It's done. I'm, I'm not cutting okay. it. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give you guys an interesting prospect here. Um, the first race I caught a bit of on my phone after work because it started right when I was coming home, so I caught like a little bit of it, saw some of the fun racing and such. The second race, I thought it would be fun to introduce one of my friends to their first ever live motor race, essentially. So we got together on Zoom. We watched it. We had a little pre-party. We got all ready for the Formula E itself. And up until like the last 10 minutes, it was going swimmingly. And then the last 10 minutes happened. And now I wish I hadn't invited them. <laughs> what the basically, hell happened in the last 10 minutes? So basically... Nothing. The Formula E this weekend, there were two, there were two races in Saudi. Um, the first one went by... Oh, that's, that's, well apart from... that's not a good start. <laughs> the the first the first the first race went reasonably well apart from some dodgy driving standards. Uh, noting Dumb. out signs. Yeah, I know. Let, uh, you said yourself, Alex, on a tweet. Let's put it down to rustiness. Apart from Friends, who has a noted history of being himself. Um, so we'll go back to the, we'll go back and we'll look and find a detail in a second. Uh, with the second race, we had quite an interesting build-up, quite a few people building their way through the field. And then genuinely, at one point, the top seven were separated by close enough seven seconds. And it was all turning out ridiculously well. And mm. so, unfortunately, um, oh, I've forgotten his name. Uh, one of the, was it one of the Brits? Retired? Um, Sims? Oh, it's Sims. Was it Sims whacked the wall? Sims whacked, Sims whacked the wall, basically, and had to retire with about 10 minutes to go. And formerly is since introduced since the debacle that happened last year. Um, that basically, if something happens with time to go, they'll add on time. And this was done quite well in the first race. In the second race, however, on such a tight, tight twisty track, instead of possibly red flag flagging the race, they decided to bring a JCB on to, you know, tow the aforementioned car away, which was such a hindrance that the cars couldn't get past in the first place, they started to cause a traffic jam. And then there were live scenes of this car on the top of this JCB swinging about as cars pretty much drove underneath it. 
And then the big crescendo finish we were looking for ended under the safety car, but not quite under the safety car. They're like, hey, guys, we've got three corners to go. But nothing could possibly happen in the last three corners. So it just ended under rather farcical circumstances. Now, the reason this is coming under such, like, you know, derision is because it's so quintessentially Formula E. It's like the right, his heart is in the right place. But yet again, with such excitement, such good racing, we saw on a few occasions, the main talking point is the ending, which again was nothing short of complete and utter mismanagement. I, that's the only way I'd phrase it. Alex, I know you watched it. How would you describe it? Uh, piss poor. That's, that's stronger words than my own. <laughs> it's, it, they're blunter words than your own. It's, it's ironically what should have happened in Abu Dhabi for the F1 in terms of it should have just ended like that in a dull, dull way if you're going to follow the rules that you had been given. And then what would happen at the end of that, everyone would be hands up in the air going, is that how you want to end the best title fight in years? You end it under a safety cut. So in that sense, it's no one wins. My issue is more to do with the swinging car, as Chris has pointed out. It's, um, yeah, you're that stupid. You're really that stupid. For any form three, are you really that stupid? It's going to say that during the race, drivers are calling this out. I mean, numerous drivers are saying, this is dangerous, this is absurd. And when you watch the footage, we say swinging car, obviously, for those who haven't seen the race and are hearing this, we sound like it's swinging all over the place catastrophically. And bizarrely, it wasn't that far off. For what was... It was for... It it is for a Formula car on a crane on a track with cars next to it. And also, it's an incredibly narrow piece of track, as I alluded to earlier. The cars couldn't overtake properly, the JCB. And there was a moment where quite a few cars were completely stationary, waiting to find a way past the JCB, which had a car loaded on top of it. And yeah, while obviously myself and my friend were unhappy that we didn't get to see the end of the race, we were also going, what the fuck is going on here? Like, what is this? And again, it's the sort of thing, if that had gone wrong, which thankfully it didn't, if that had gone wrong, oh my word, Michael Massey would have been skipping. He would have been off the hook completely. Uh, Hook not intended. Um, You know what I mean. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But it was, it's again, it's one of those things that's so quintessential, as I said, so quintessentially Formula E, such a, how, how did that happen? How did they let that happen? I think a big thank you needs to go to Jean Todd for, this because it's still his influence that exists in Formula E and F1, therefore it's still on him. His reign. Yep. Yeah. It's still having an effect. Mohamed Ben Suleim has yet to make a big enough impact because he's been given a month. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not enough time to undo 12 years of crap. And it, it, it must come from that because it's still, it's still Scott Elkins who has a history of doing odd things. I think there was one maybe two years ago at the Diria track where they let the cars go after a safety car and there was a car with marshals all around it on the track. And it's there's potentially an argument to say it's a, it's a Diria problem, it's a circuit problem. But at the end of the day, the guy in charge needs to know where everyone is. And unless he is literally lied to by the people underneath him, the buck stops with him. Stops with him, and you do have to question what goes on in the heads of the 
stewards and race directors of the FRA of any category to think that this stuff is all right and you keep getting away with it. I, I didn't get away with it once, you get lucky. Get away with it twice, you're taking the piss. Get away with it third time, yeah, probably won't happen. I, mean, <laughs> I, I didn't watch the race, but the, the first solution to the problem that I can think of is just bring out a fucking red flag. Red flag, yes, red flag. That, that would have solved in but in both situations, Formula One and this. Yeah. Well, granted, it would, have, it would have been a pretty significant thing to do in the F1 incident because it was a reasonably small crash. But in Formula E, red flag would have solved everything straight away. Red flag done. That's it. Yeah. And no one, no one would have argued that decision. At no point would anyone have oh. questioned why there was a red flag. When you see, when we saw what we saw, all of us, I'm pretty sure, were shouting red flag. I know Alex, who is um, the 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 manager of the Brothers on Twitter was absolutely going at it and quite rightly so because this was one of the worst not racing standards not driving standards managerial standard things we've seen i'm going to say in years because while the formula one one was a complete epic fuck up in every single way this is one where safety was included and there's 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 no buck there there's no leeway in any way shape or form there's no defending safety when it comes down to it and i think one of the things that you know epitomizes safety is a fucking Formula car on a hook literally hanging above other people driving past it. What if that hook broke? Because that is an option that can still happen. Yeah, exactly. We've seen more unlikely things happen in Formula... Uh, anything can happen in Formula E than it normally does. And that would not have surprised me if something like that had happened. I mean, I, I don't want to make light of the situation, but we're... Uh, we're a joking podcast. Screw it. Um, but yeah, if that was one of those situations where the absolute worst did happen what would we have seen and how bad could it have been and how much and how deeply would it have buried Formula E, which is already five and a half feet under at this point. Let's be completely honest. How much worse would that have made it? That put it down to seven foot, to be honest. But it is, it, there is an element that Formula E is hanging on. It feels like Formula E is hanging on by threads. I don't think it is, but it feels like it is. And we're yet to have a properly properly bad Formula E accident. And I mean properly bad. I know the, the one in Mexico was bad mm. and there have been a few flying ones. Who was it last year? Was it Alex Lynn went flying last year? You just was saw it, him go was... past the camera upside down. Yeah, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a season one incident with uh, PK and uh, what's his face. That was that was biggest and it was a big crash. Well, Prost and Heidfeld. Are you thinking Prost and Heidfeld? That's it. Prost and Heidfeld, thank you. That was a that's that's an issue. That's an issue of driving standards because Nico Prost shouldn't have been in any other Formula E race after that. Yeah, because that was probably the worst bit of driving in the 21st century in an FIA category. Somewhere, Nikita Mazepin's gone. I'm free. <laughs> 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 Only on track, mate. Wait till you go off track, then you're stuffed. But um, that accident, that specific accident, that was a very first race, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It was the first race in China, well, and it was last corner, last lap, and they, yeah, an experienced Nico Prost isn't a wasn't a newbie driver. He was in his thirties, I think, when he when he did that. So he knows what he should know what he was doing. But yeah, it's there is a. It does feel like there is a problem with Orny, and it's just a bit lackadaisical. It's too relaxed. Not enough. It it knows it's not the big category i.e. not f1 so it thinks it, it feels like it thinks it can take liberties 
to try and put it on a level up there with F1. And that's just not going to go well. The thing is, well, is also is how it's handled criticism in the past. I mean, there was a time where Formula E was on the rise. And when you think about their line in Mexico and that awesome dash to the line finish, and it seemed like, oh, okay, we're finally getting somewhere. We're now gaining the traction, that sort of thing. Um, but then when the attack modes came in and like, <laughs> we are Mario Kart. Let's make videos promoting our Mario Kart style lifestyle, which would have been fine if then there wasn't a race where literally all the cars ran out of power in the last lap because somebody in the <laughs> yeah. comic box made the wrong decision. And again, something that doesn't help, but I know Formula races on street circuits to make the cars look fast because they aren't as fast as Formula One cars. The issue is it means every single overtake is likely to be one where there's bumping, which of course in some instances can be fun, can be exciting. We saw this in Saudi. There's some lovely overtakes where there's a little bit of bumping wheel to wheel, very exciting, obviously. But the issue is when that becomes every single race and it becomes the norm, then it takes away from any sort of unique aspect of it. And people who like motorsport don't often want to see cars confined and use forceful overtakes in every single race. And the issue is that's what Formula has kind of become. And also, it's actually kind of prompted itself to become that. And now because it accepted the gimmick so wild and was so on board with mocking itself, now when something goes wrong, it's like, hey, the, the formula that was making a joke of itself is now making a joke of itself. Where's the punchline going to be? And there is no punchline because it means people aren't going to watch it anymore. So it's, it's dug itself into a rather peculiar hole that I don't think any motorsport has ever done before. Because, of course, obviously, the advent of social media has been a massive thing in many ways. The fact they're still using fan boost is nothing more than farcical. Um, but, like, and again, the fact it's always, every time you hear about Formula E, lots of people say, oh, this was a classic Formula E race, those races are always chaotic. We've never seen that sterling drive from somebody. We've never seen that awesome wheel-to-wheel battle where it's not been silly, strangely. And the issue is the fact Formula E has like set itself up for this serve means now people expect it. So when it happens, people go, oh, it's Formula E, it's what you yeah. expect. We need to see some classic wheel-to-wheel action, which we do see in Formula E, the issue is it's just so completely overwhelmed by the cars swinging on the top of these um, bloody JCBs, cars running out of fuel. And those are the things that most people watch on social media, which is this sport has been so dependent on. So they've shot themselves in the foot and now there's no way out of it unless they just produce high quality racing week after week, which is what they need to do. But they can't because they keep making these mistakes. I mean just uh, i'm trying fine i'm not i'm being positive in this show i don't know why i'm not usually the positive guy in this you know out of the podcast but too busy loving the cold weather <laughs> <laughs> the weather's negative i'm going to be positive i'm going to be positive oh. <laughs> i mean was the qualifying at least good i mean alex no. a big mm. deal the qualifying aspect, although a massive gimmick, was bloody good. It was awesome. Yeah, it's it's a gimmick that is, it has its roots in competitiveness. Therefore, it works yeah. because it is it is about the fastest driver getting up there. It's just a bit convoluted to get there, but then it's still entertaining, and the 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 best the best drivers still get up there. So it's fine. I think that's perfectly fine. The issue is now, a week later, who's talking about the qualifying? Yeah, exactly. yeah, good point. 
it, it's, it's one of point. those things you mentioned they get overwhelmed by everything but by, by all the yeah. things right yeah. formula e take one step forwards take a leap backwards <laughs> or a this is something this, these are impassioned words coming from somebody who's wanted who wants formula e to be a success but every time gets his heart ripped out when it keeps fucking cocking up <laughs> Sam Bird should be a champion by now. Ah! I feel like you need to rephrase that last sentence. <laughs> Look, this entire time, I've been a fan of Formula E. I've put my arse in the line, and every single time, there's a cock-up. <laughs> <laughs> Inspector Grimm has entered the building. <laughs> oh... <laughs> Okay, for anyone who didn't know, that is a thin blue line <laughs> reference, which is quite obscure anyway, let alone on a motorsport podcast. You know, thank, thank God he's one of our listeners. He's really going to appreciate this one. Yep, there's going to be at least one person who's loving this. Everyone <laughs> yeah, else is just going, well, other than you, everyone else is just going to wonder what the hell's going on. Much like a normal Formula E race. So, in fairness, it kind of works. And this is the thing. This is how our conversation on Formula E ends <laughs> with mockery and laughter. Yeah. It's like every John Todd conversation. Oh, Jesus Christ. Alex is dying. Alex, is, Alex, thank God he had the, the decency to mute himself so he didn't hear the uh, his, his guts being released. Indeed. For the people that are not watching us, because this is an audio only podcast, one of our co-hosts is actually choking to death. On what seems to be it's, nothing but air. It's all right. It's fine. <laughs> For those of you, again, you can't see now, but he's turning a wonderful shade of Williams Rothman's blue. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'll tell it's you when what, I turn, It's when I turn a Williams Saudi green, that's when you know there's a problem. Yeah. Now, Pedro. What? Pedro, I'm going to launch something your way. Pedro, what? my boy. What is starting this weekend? Your boy is Tony Stewart. Your your boy's retired. I was giving you the greatest compliments I could, <laughs> man, for goodness sake. Okay, Pedro, my lad, because chap is George and boy is Tony. Pedro, my lad, what is starting this weekend? NASCAR is starting this weekend. Um, the Clash, <laughs> otherwise known as the preseason exhibition race. It's, it's good enough, God damn it! <laughs> you can tell someone's up for the NASCAR this year, can't you? <laughs> yeah, boy! Hyped. He's turning into Daniel Ricciardo. Chris, you are turning into Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah. With this absolute oh, love yeah. of NASCAR. Absolutely. <laughs> love of NASCAR. To be fair, two things. I'm excited for the race of champions and for NASCAR. So I'm, I'm going to spread my love there, but... I have a fellow NASCAR lover here, so I want to share that enthusiasm to our listeners. Indeed. And wow, the enthusiasm. Best. I've to never heard it indeed. So rocking. Day, you watched uh, probably the best race in the, in- uh, the entire last year. I think oh, that helps quite uh, a bit. Stop getting me more excited. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, the clash it's happening at the Los Angeles Coliseum, otherwise known as the former uh it was a former house of the Super Bowl contenders, the Los Angeles Rams. 
it's gonna be absolute madness. There's essentially as I think it was was it Alex or Chris? I don't remember who brought it up, but it's essentially a, a pitch constructed inside a football stadium. So it's 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 quite a mess. It's almost 90 degree turns. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Have you seen oh, the pictures? Yes. The pictures are ridiculous. <laughs> oh, I this I'm I'm getting more and more excited. This is great. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not gonna get into the degrees of the turn or anything like that because it's it's pretty much pointless when you when you have a flat oval because there's no banking. But picture a paper clip, just like Martinsville. Take the ends of it and flatten them. <laughs> oh my word! <laughs> oh yes, it's it's sold oh. out, and they're gonna raise in heat. So it's they're gonna go. Um, it's they're gonna be groups of ten cars qualifying um, in what was it, twenty lab races, and then the first, what was it, the first two from each group. Get to race a fifty lap uh, race for the, the final race, the main race as we would call it in America. Oh yes, I'm so on board. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> Add to that, there's completely there's brand new cars and and you're you're surely not gonna see what they can do because it's too short of a track. Um, but you're gonna see. Yeah, but, crazy. but I say by the time they get to the corner, they'll be only just cresting second gear, right? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> if they're lucky, they'll get the second gear. <laughs> Red line has never been more disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's um there's a brand new car with brand new wheels, um with a flat bottom to it. That's that's a first for NASCAR. Oh, Bernie Eccleston's jumping up and down in his seat hearing that. So am I, because that means that means we're not going to have all that many crashes at big speedways, like all those dangerous crashes when you see cars flying around. Yeah, those are those are expected to be like greatly diminished because of it. Is that aimed at stopping any? Or is it low pressure areas happening underneath the car? Therefore, there's no chance of it flipping. Indeed, because that's what the flaps on the roof do, don't they? They put low pressure areas just above the roof, so yeah, they... it keeps the car on the ground. Mm-hmm. What it what it was supposed to do on, on big speedways like Daytona and Talladega, it's supposed to help you draft, you know, when it gets stuck side by side, without having that much dirty air in it. So cars won't. What the heck was that? Chris has done something silly. I was I was giving a lecture on NASCAR. Sorry, I'm I'm still here, so I'm just plugging in my phone. Sorry. <laughs> so okay. I don't know what that was odd. I got a notification that I had 5% battery, so I'm just plugging in my phone. That is the sound of a man who likes his NASCAR, but is a little bit panicked right now. <laughs> what was he saying? Uh, we were talking about low pressure areas on the top of the car. Indeed. Um, cars won't, won't be wiggling as much um, when you see them at places like Daytona or Talladega. But at the same time, it will make passing cars way way more harder because it will generate oh, okay. it will generate more pressure and on the side more dirtier not from the back but from the side and that will essentially just decrease your speed by five miles an so, unintended consequence or is that planned that is that is uh, that's i suppose that's planned um 
So is it going to make so when you say it's going to make overtaking harder? Will it make it harder on super speedways, or will it hurt with the one mile tracks and the? It will make it easier for uh, road courses, which there are quite a lot now. There's seven of them. It's going to make it somewhat even on intermediate tracks, which used to be a problem because obviously you know fast cars lap the other cars quite fast. That won't happen Mm. this, this time around. And it will make passes way harder than super speed, which which is something we actually needed to do because um, for the past, what, six years, five out of the last six Daytona 500s have been decided by a crash. By a crash. That's that's not a good statistic. Yes. And and their crashes, furthermore, I mean, their crashes that I won't say they're actually like intended. It's not like they bump each other to crash but they're bound to happen when you have like 30 cars going side by you know next to each other and wiggling someone's going to get out of line whether they want to or not and someone's going to get bumped and really now now whilst that is clearly an issue with the car is that also an issue with the with the not the layout of the race but the way the race is done in terms of the stages would that happen as often if the 500 miles were to occur take Daytona 500 would occur consecutively and then you wouldn't have the pack being brought together quite so consistently and quite so near the end. Yeah. It, it, if we're talking about a place like Daytona, yes, it, maybe not on other tracks, but Daytona is because the thing with Daytona is that it basically, um, oh shit, we have 10 minutes left. Daytona basically separates um, pretenders from contenders. So, you know, mm. the, the mid pack basically stays, um, Pardon my redundance, but it stays in the mid pack, and they just stay back. And the leaders will eventually make them. Well, you know, they will get, they will split the field, and get it to the front, and essentially just cause the same thing, but with less cars. Because mm. I've I've never been a fan of the stages thing. I know I know the concept. I know what they're trying to get at, but it does feel. Not anti-motor racing, but it feels like a weird jump to make. It, I mean, it was it was hard to get used to, but when you start, um, when you add up all the sort of crazy things that they added to the championship in order to make them work, such as you get points for winning a stage, mm. then it makes it a little bit more interesting because you can pit, um, for instance, you cannot pit in between stages. But you can essentially sacrifice your points for winning the stage by getting fresher tires and a full tank of gas and essentially beating everyone in the final stage because of that. It's clever. Ooh. That's an I interesting strategy that, going on. I just realized that's way too much NASCAR for a Formula One podcast. <laughs> I, think you're, I think we're a motorsport podcast. It doesn't just have to be F1. True. Of course. Right. On that note, should you think of a question to leave our wonderful listeners on before you blog off? I would say, would you watch The Clash? But I know I'm, I'm going to be the only one watching The Clash. So. Oh. <laughs> Are you going to watch The Clash? or the, if, you, if you had to choose between Race of Champions or The Clash, which would you pick? Ooh, oh, The Clash, show. absolutely. I think I'd probably watch The Clash over The Race of Champions. Oh, interesting. Probably Man. Race of Champions is just convoluted rubbish. See, new, yeah, new F1 fans are crazy about it. 
It's because it's, it's got all the big names and names they've heard of previously, yeah. and they get racing again. Like Mika Hakkinen, I've heard of him. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's also other tried him once. Yeah, it's also stuff like putting Vettel and um, Mick Schumacher in the same team. It's that sort of thing. It's that, it's that kind of thing. And I love them so much together. They're so cute. Exactly. It's that sort of thing <laughs> where you've got people who aren't normally teammates being teammates, and it's whilst it's quite nice. Once you've actually started watching it a few times, it gets a bit boring. Yeah. Well, let's be fair. In in fairness, we have had the first predictable result is that Botash has had a DNS. <laughs> he had a DNS. It was a DNS. He didn't even start. <laughs> he even Botashed the Botash. <laughs> <laughs> actually, the one the one drawback from having the clash or, or having. Well, yeah, having the clash at this time because it obviously cannot interfere with the Super Bowl, um, is that we won't have NASCAR drivers at uh, Race of Champions. Ah, yeah. son of a bitch! <laughs> <laughs> that came right out this quick. Yeah, this is the pure emotion, Pedro. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Welcome to the world of stock cars, UK. <laughs> <laughs> and if you thought BTCC was mental, welcome to NASCAR. Welcome to NASCAR. <laughs> there's one. There's one thing I have not mentioned actually about the uh, the, uh, the new NASCAR. It's the fact that they will not have um, traditional rearview mirrors anymore. Ooh. Yes, and there's this effort of trying to mix blend um road cars with um race cars obviously nascar has always been in you know stock car category so it's inspired by that but they're taking elements such as you know the the rearview mirrors with cameras on them yeah they will essentially have you know a square just like a rearview mirror but it's a camera mounted at the back of the car okay because that, that, I know you can do that with ring mirrors. You can replace, essentially replace them with the camera and have it on the inside of your door. So doing a NASCAR, ooh, that could be interesting. wonder how that will work. Yeah. Drivers are calling it weird and, and a bit strange to get used to because you, you know, if you look at the back of, of, of a NASCAR through the rearview mirror, you'll get to see you know, your wing, your back wing, and part of your trunk. Hmm. So that essentially was used as a measuring stick to measure, you know, just how close the other guy was to you, especially in tracks like Daytona and Talladega. That won't happen anymore. That measuring stick is gone. That's, oh, that could be interesting. Yeah. See how it goes, but that may be reversed. Yeah, I, I, I if it does go particularly wrong. Yeah. I, I would not reverse it, but I would actually just give them the traditional rearview mirror. Just have both. Have the camera and the mirror. Yeah, that's a good shout. Yeah. Then, yeah, then drivers have no excuse for not seeing people. Indeed. No, that's a good shout. We I like that. We still didn't have a question, guys. It was a, it was a race. It was the Clash or, yeah. Are you going to watch the Clash or watch them? Yeah. The, the race champions. Where in the hell are you going to, are you going to watch the Clash in the UK? Through our wonderful redacted websites. <laughs> And also, I'm not gonna lie. On that note, guys, I all right, am all right then. If we, if you want another question, who's going to finish higher in the championship, Leclerc or Sainz? 
Oh yeah, that's that's the one. I pick signs. Me too. I pick Leclerc. Two versus one. one. Audience. Audience, now you. Save me. Save me, audience. Help. <laughs> Just a quick timeout. I'm afraid, guys, I need to go, so I'm going to have to pop up really quickly. Thank you. Awesome to see both of you. And I'll see you very shortly. Don't include some podcasts because it's weird. Um, goodbye. <laughs> I think his phone might have just died one third of the show has left and I don't know if he had to go to the bathroom or his phone just died I have no clue and I will not ask <laughs> and on that bombshell it's not worth I think finding out the answer <laughs> fantastic <laughs> Thank you so very much for listening. Thank you very much for subscribing. And thank you very much for waiting on us because we've made it we made this thing like a two-week deal now. Yeah, it was two weeks ago we did the last one. Yeah. Uh, reporting is a cruel business sometimes. Yes. I think we're gonna try and do once a week again. Keep that up or attempt to. If it had yeah. Yeah, I mean if it well, yeah, the yeah, there's no other word I can use. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. Yeah. Yes. Why do I don't need any more? It's fine. Thank you very much for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. <laughs>